glad that you're here. But first, before I share my excitement, uh, since Ruthann threw me under the bus, uh, and since John Mark's not here, uh, Josh Schofield already, right when she said that, started pulling up images of Maseratis uh, on his phone, uh, explaining he'd be okay with a red one, uh, a blue one. Uh, he didn't really care what the color was, but Maserati seemed to be the theme of all of the cars that he was looking at. So I don't know if, if I'm expected to purchase these cars for members now or, or what. But uh, yeah, Fall Festival is coming up, Trunk or Treat, uh, get excited for that. And there's a lot of reasons to be excited, a lot of reasons to be glad to be here today. Uh, and I want to share a couple of those reasons. Uh, the first, uh, several of you guys were involved in a fundraiser uh, that happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had our friends from Grace Place Properties here uh, explaining to us that they were doing a fundraiser for their fall retreat. And they were putting together a pie fundraiser. And, uh, and their goal was to raise $3,000. Well, uh, they went over and above, uh, and you guys went over and above, and so I just wanted to share with you guys, thank you uh, on their behalf. They raised uh, $7,855 uh, at that, and I know, I know a lot of you contributed to that, and so on behalf of Grace Place and on behalf of uh, Amber especially, as they prepare for their fall retreat uh, coming up here in a few weeks, they just wanted to say thank you uh, for being a participant in that and helping to raise that money. The other reason that I'm excited uh, for this morning is because we're starting a new sermon series, and it's a sermon series uh, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is a topic that uh, I think uh, we ought to be excited about. Uh, whether or not you woke up this morning feeling happy, whether or not you woke up this morning uh, feeling ready to be here, uh, over the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and, and who God is in light of God being Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's reason for us to be excited, uh, even if you're not happy. Uh, even if life is really difficult right now, and I hope to explain what I mean as we go along today when I say that. But before uh, I get there, I did want to uh, start by talking about a few, uh, a few kind of quirky things about conversations that we have about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first thing that I thought of when I thought, okay, we're going to preach on the Holy Spirit. The first thing I thought is, oh no, we're going to preach on the Holy Spirit. Uh, because uh, sitting in this room, I know that there are so many different uh, understandings of what the Holy Spirit is, of, of what the Holy Spirit does, of who God is in light of being Father, Son, and Spirit. One of the interesting things about our tribe is that we talk a lot about God the Father uh, all over the place, especially when we look to the Old Testament, uh, to the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, we see God the Father present in so many ways. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time studying and teaching on the New Testament, on, on the life of Jesus, on, on what happened because of who Jesus is. Uh, and so we spend a lot of time talking about God the Son. Unfortunately, in our tribe, we tend to ignore God the Spirit a lot of times. At least that's been my experience. Perhaps it has been for you too. Uh, and I thought I'd open it up this morning, and I, I legitimately want you to, to, to call back to me. Why are the, what are the reasons, uh, what is a reason for you why we might not talk about the Holy Spirit as much as we talk about God the Father or God the Son? Does anything come to mind? Why, why do we not talk about God the Spirit? Because what? Because we have it. It's, it's just kind of understood. Is that, is that what you're saying? Right. Mm. Okay, I like, I like what Bill's saying. So, so Bill said, we have the Spirit. Uh, and because we have the Spirit, we kind of assume that the Spirit is silent. Uh, it's, it's within us. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of this force, this being, uh, God within us, but it doesn't really have a voice. It's kind of this silent member of, of God's person. Okay, what else? Uh, what are other reasons that we might not talk about the Spirit? Why don't, uh, what, what do you think?
Yeah. So the Holy Spirit uh, has been referred to as the Holy Ghost. Uh, and if you're a kid and you hear the Holy Ghost, uh, you are, if you guys hear Holy Ghost, what, do you, what does that make you think of? Yeah, scary, kind of, ooh, you know? It's kind of, kind of creepy. Uh, okay, what else? Yeah, Matt. We're uncomfortable uh, with charismata, with the, the gifts of the Spirit, with what the Spirit does. Yeah, okay, great. And there's our, there are tons of reasons uh, why we might not talk about the Spirit. Uh, I hope that there are also tons of reasons why we do talk about the Spirit. And I hope that as we go through this series over the next several weeks, uh, that we'll highlight some of these reasons to talk about the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God is within us. Yes, I don't think the Spirit is silent. And yes, the, the Spirit is this kind of um, non-physical being because the Spirit is within all of us. But that doesn't mean that we have to be afraid of the Spirit. And so we're going to have a lot of opportunities, I hope, over the next couple of weeks to talk about the Spirit and to give some attention to who God is in light of being Father, Son, and Spirit. So uh, we're going to spend six weeks in this series, and, and uh, a little bit later on I'm going to kind of tell you, lay out what we're going to be looking at, uh, what are the specific things that we're going to talk about. And let me tell you up front, uh, six weeks is not enough time to cover the Holy Spirit. Uh, six weeks is not enough time for us to know who God is. But over the next six weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to be explicit about talking about this uh, function of God, this, this person of God, and what we uh, think about when we think of the Holy Spirit. So uh, today we're starting the conversation. And even to say that we're starting the conversation, I think is inadequate. And what we'll find out over the next six weeks is that what we say about the Spirit is inadequate. What we say about God is never enough. And so I say today that we're beginning a conversation, but the truth is that the Spirit of God has been working in this body, in the body of, of Christ, in the body of believers throughout the world. And so for us to begin a conversation is simply for us to become aware of what God is already doing with us and among us. And so we're beginning a conversation, but it's not the beginning of the Spirit. It's simply our becoming aware. So I want to dive in and talk about some uh, nuts and bolts, uh, and I think some things that, uh, some connections that we can make that'll, that'll be helpful for us, how, that'll be kind of nice things for us to, uh, to contemplate as we dive into this study and think about who God is. And the first is that I want to connect what John Mark talked about last week, uh, of, of this being the God who can bring dead things to life uh, with the work of the Spirit. Uh, last week, we talked about one specific Hebrew word, pop quiz. Does anybody remember what the Hebrew word, and Mike, you're not allowed to answer, uh, but does anybody remember what the Hebrew word uh, that we talked about last week is? Ruach, yes. Uh, it's got this kind of gross throaty noise at the end of it. It's a hard H sound, ruach. Uh, you kind of sound like you're uh, doing something that uh, people don't think is polite. Uh, but yeah, ruach, uh, it means breath or wind or spirit. And last week, John Mark preached about Ezekiel chapter 37. And in Ezekiel 37, God uh, transports Ezekiel through a vision to this valley of dry bones. And he brings uh, Ezekiel there and he says, prophesy to these bones so that they might have life. And through Ezekiel's prophesying, through what God is doing in him, the bones begin to, to rattle and shake and come together. And all of a sudden, uh, these bones are coming together. And then uh, God tells Ezekiel, and now prophesy to the winds, to the ruach, and bring breath to these people. Uh, it's the same word that, that we see in Genesis uh, chapter 1, uh, when God is hovering over the formless void. Uh, the, and all of a sudden, this, this void has this experience of, God, uh, of God's wind, of God's breath, of God's spirit hovering over the deep. It's the same word we find there. And today, uh, what's really neat, and what uh, perhaps you've heard before, but uh, what I want to connect for us is that the same word in Hebrew, ruach, is the word in Greek, pneuma. Pneuma, and that word means 
breath or wind or spirit. And so not only do we see in the, the creation account in Genesis uh, God's spirit hovering over the deep, not only do, do we find out that God is prophesying through Ezekiel to bring life to things that are dead, but we find out in the New Testament that who God is, God's spirit, God's pneuma, is bound up in this same idea. And so one of the things that I love to, to look at is the way that Scripture makes connections with itself. Uh, that, that, that Scripture looks back upon previous Scriptures and, and adds to it and, and finds ways of, of using that to make connections for people living today. And so uh, one of the things that's so great about uh, the entire Scripture is that this word, ruach, or pneuma, spirit, shows up over and over again. We already talked about it. It's the story of creation, of how God created this good world. And yet we have taken this good world and we've failed to trust in God. We've, we've denied God, God's rightful place. And so creation has become broken. And yet God has been working to bring things back to wholeness, back to the way that they ought to be, back to the goodness that we find in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. But not only is it the story of creation, it's also the story of the cross. So uh, in, in the end of Matthew's gospel, we find this, this Greek word, pneuma. And it's the word that's used when Matthew is describing Jesus on the cross, and it says that Jesus gave up his spirit. He's on the cross, he's, he's sacrificing himself, and he gives up his spirit for us. It's the same word that's used there. And so all of a sudden, it's the story of creation, and it's the story of the cross, but it's also the story of the church. It's the story of what we're doing together here today. It's the story that we see in Acts chapter 2, uh, when the spirit de descends upon the disciples, uh, and they, all of a sudden they're able to speak in all these different languages to communicate the story of what Jesus is doing with everyone from every corner of the earth. It's the same word that we find in Paul's epistles where he talks about what the Spirit enables us to do as believers, the gifts that we have, that we experience, that we can display with one another, the gifts of service, of teaching, of encouragement. It's the same word used there. And so over and over and over again we find out from creation to the cross to the church that this story of God's Spirit is active, is present, and we're learning more and more of who God's Spirit is and what God's Spirit does among us. So I'd like for us to turn to a passage, uh, perhaps that's familiar to you, but I think it's a passage that we'll see this work of what God has been doing all along uh, brought to fulfillment. Uh, I, one of my favorite Gospels, uh, it's hard to say which one is my favorite, but this one's in my top four, uh, is Matthew. Some of you will get that in a second. Uh, but uh, the Gospel of Matthew is, a, uh, is one of my favorite Gospels, uh, and, and I love it because Matthew is a student of Scripture. Uh, Matthew is looking back on the story of the people of Israel, and he's making comments on uh, what he sees in the, in the story of Israel and what he has seen in the life of Jesus, and he's making these connections. So all throughout the beginning chapters uh, of Matthew, uh, really throughout the whole Gospel, but especially at the beginning, it's very pronounced. Jesus is repeating the history, the story of Israel. And so one of the first things that we find out about Jesus is that he goes down to Egypt. Uh, as, as a young child, he's brought down to Egypt, and it, it mirrors this story of the Israelites, that when Joseph, at the end of the book of Genesis, when Joseph brings his family to Egypt, Jesus mirrors that story, and he and his family go to Egypt. Then the next thing that we find out about Jesus, the story that we're actually going to read together today in Matthew chapter 3, is Jesus being baptized. He goes down into the water and comes up out of the water a new person. Uh, not because he, he's died and, uh, physically, but because he has given himself to God. Uh, and so it's this mirroring of the story of the Exodus, that when God's people leave Egypt, they go into the waters at the Red Sea, and they come out as this new defined people who God has created them to be. 
And then in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And when he goes into the wilderness, he has these temptations. Uh, And what we see with the people of Israel is that when they leave the Exodus story, when they leave the Red Sea, they go into the wilderness and they wander for 40 years, being tempted and failing over and over again. But where they failed, Jesus succeeds. And while they're in the wilderness, the people of Israel receive the law from God. And what does Jesus do in Matthew chapter 5? He shares the most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is repeating the story of Israel. He's, he's the, the person who fulfills the story. And what we're going to see as we read this story in Matthew chapter 3 is that God is present in this activity, that God is working uh, Father, Son, and Spirit through this. As Jesus uh, comes to show that he is uh, truly God, that he is fulfilling the story of Israel, we're going to find out that this same Jesus, this same one, what he has done is the fulfillment of what God has always been up to. So I'd like for us to turn and read uh, in Matthew chapter 3. We're going to start reading the first six verses. It says, In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the desert of Judea, announcing, Change your hearts and lives. Here comes the kingdom of heaven. He was the one of whom Isaiah the prophet spoke when he said, The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And people from Jerusalem throughout Judea and all around the Jordan River came to him. As they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. And so Matthew opens this scene in chapter 3, and he wants us to understand what's going on. And so it's not just Jesus who is going through this, but people all throughout Jerusalem, Judea, all around the Jordan River are experiencing this revitalization, that they're going through this renewal that John is preaching to them to change their hearts and to change their lives, to turn and to begin to be God's people again. And that's when Jesus is going to show up. But when Jesus shows up, there's already been some grumbling going on. And the part that comes right after this is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're questioning John. They're wondering, how is it that God is going to do this? How is it that you have the authority to preach this way? And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And let's pick up in verse 11. John says, I will baptize with water those of you who have changed your hearts and lives. The one who is coming after me is stronger than I am. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husk is in his hands. He will clean out his threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn, but he will burn the husks with a fire that can't be put out. And at that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan River so that John would baptize him. John tried to stop him, and he said, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me? And Jesus answered, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. And so John agreed to baptize Jesus, and when Jesus was baptized, he immediately came up out of the water. Heaven was open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I find happiness in him. Do you notice the way that God is present in this story? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they've got all these questions about what John is doing. And John even points and he says, it's not about what I'm doing. There's someone even greater yet to come. But when he comes, I'm not even going to be worthy to untie his sandals. And yet he will come and he will offer us a chance for renewal. There's this image of fire that, that, uh, that Matthew records John is using. It's an image that is pretty consistent throughout Scripture, that whenever the Spirit shows up, there seems to be this cleansing fire, this renewing fire. 
and the fire will descend. And next week, we're going to spend some time looking at Acts chapter 2 when the disciples uh, experience the Spirit descending upon them, and it looks as if flames, uh, uh, these tongues that are on fire have descended upon them. There's this element, this theme, that the Spirit is this cleansing, renewing fire. And yet Jesus also is participating in this, and what we see Jesus doing in this part of the story is fulfilling the story of Israel. And yet isn't it interesting that in this passage, we seem to see God, Father, God, Son, and God, Spirit all show up together. God the Father cries out, this is my Son. It's God the Father speaking, this is my Son whom I love and whom I am pleased with. I find happiness in him. God the Son, Jesus, the, the, the one who, who is descended from heaven to, to, to take a place among us, to become like us, uh, to share in this world with us so that we could be renewed and fulfilled, that we could become, be returned back to the goodness of creation. Jesus is here among us, becoming new. And the Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove, like a symbol of peace, that Jesus and the Spirit and the Father are offering to us this peaceful means of changing who we are and returning back to God. I think a lot of times we don't talk about the Spirit as much as we talk about Father and Son because of language that might be confusing to us, because of things that we might not fully understand. How can God be three and one? How can this idea of the Trinity be true? Because according to everything that we have seen, according to everything that we understand, three does not equal one, and one does not equal three, and yet the scriptures that we read and study, the scriptures that reveal to us who God is, consistently refer to God in multiple persons, and yet boldly claim that this is one God, that God is eternal, God is unchanging, God is one. And so a lot of times we don't talk about the Spirit because we simply don't understand how can one be three and three be one. Yet I ran across an interesting quote, and I know many of you uh, read Richard Rohr's uh, Daily Meditations, and earlier this week he had this beautiful quote uh, that he was quoting a Scottish theologian by the name of Richard of St. Victor. And uh, Richard was talking about God, this triune being, three in one, and this is what Richard of St. Victor had to say. He said, for God to be truth, God had to be one. For God to be love, God had to be two. And for God to be joy, God had to be three. And I think this is getting at the heart of what I mentioned at the very beginning, that I'm, I'm so glad that we're here together today, worshiping. I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to join with one another. And that's not because I woke up this morning feeling particularly happy. It's not because I woke up this morning feeling particularly excited. But when we gather together, when we join as the body of, of Christ, that when we encounter God, Father, Son, and Spirit through worship, that we have this joyfulness about us because the Spirit, God in three, Father, Son, and Ghost, allow us to experience joy in community. For God to be truth, God had to be one, God the Father. For God to be love, God had to be two, Father and Son. And for God to be joy, three, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we participate in who God is today. We participate in God's being. As we join together, as we worship, as we share, as we commune, we have an opportunity to witness this reality of God making the world whole again through us, of God making us whole 
again. Something that our world desperately needs. This is the God that we worship, the God who is revealed to us through the pages of Scripture, through the testimony of the saints, down through the ages, and through our encounter with the Spirit of God at work, even now, among us in this place and in this time. And so we worship God, this triune God, this God who has three persons as part of his being. But not only do we worship, we also witness so over the next several weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to share together and to listen and, and to, to understand and, and to, to join in encouraging each other and understanding who the Spirit is and, and who God is, is among us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And just a few things that we're going to be talking about, and again, by no means is this list enough. By no means is this all that there is to God the Spirit, but this is what we're going to spend our time focusing upon over the next several weeks, that God is active among us. That God, through the Spirit, is working in our lives, in us, but not for our own glorification, not because of who we are, but through us, so that others might more clearly see and understand who God is. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit as encourager. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to spend some time in, in the passage, uh, Romans 8, and looking at the story uh, of what Paul teaches to the Roman church, that God, uh, the Spirit, enables us to pray, encourages us to pray that it's through the work of the Spirit that we have communion with God that we're able to, to talk with God. And so we're going to spend time talking about God as the encourager through the Spirit. We're also going to talk about the Holy Spirit as a gift and as a gift giver. The Holy Spirit, this joyful uh, person, this joyful being of who God is, uh, enables us to, to experience the gift of who God is. But not only that, the Spirit gives gifts to us so that we can pass those along so that others can experience the joy of knowing God. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as companion. And in a world like ours, where loneliness and depression, where mental health are problems that we encounter almost daily now, I can think of no better understanding of God with us as companion. And we see that through the Spirit. We see that through the promises of Jesus as he's leaving his disciples, that it is the Spirit who will walk beside us, the Spirit who will be with us as our companion. And then finally, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit unleashed. But the Holy Spirit is not shy. That the Holy Spirit is working in this world and that this, uh, if we have eyes to see it, if we have ears to hear, that we can join in what the Spirit is doing to be unleashed in the world, to be given a purpose, to be giving a calling and how we can join with what God is doing all around us. This is what we're going to be discussing over the next several weeks and I hope that as we encounter the Holy Spirit, it becomes more than simply an informational exercise. But I hope that you are able to experience and encounter God's Spirit here with us, in us, and through us. So I'm excited. I'm excited, and I hope that you are too. Whether you woke up this morning feeling happy or not, whether you woke up this morning feeling ready to be here or not, I hope that you'll be captured by what the Spirit is doing, that you will understand, that you will join in with God's work in the world through the Spirit and through us. Today, as we get ready to uh, sing and as we get ready to commune together again, uh, we offer every week an opportunity for you uh, to spend some time in prayer with our shepherds and our elders. And uh, they're going to gather around the sides of the room, and I invite you during this time of worship and this time of communion, uh, if you would like, to spend some time praying with them, uh, asking for God to be present in your life, asking you for yourself to be uh, more aware of God's Spirit. Please come and spend some time praying with them. And this morning, if you would like to join in the work of the Spirit, if you would like to put on Christ in baptism, to experience the Holy Spirit's presence, please come and, and visit with me as we stand together and worship. Let